What is your killer strategy? The one that gives your business the ultimate bulletproof competitive advantage. Welcome to Your Advantage Play with your host, Joel Block. Former professional blackjack player and card counter who left Las Vegas and spent his life in that giant casino on Wall Street in the hedge fund and venture capital businesses. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. I can't begin to tell you how many calls I get from executives asking me, how do we grow? How do we scale? How do we do more with less resources? How can we leverage marketing automation to create a substantial competitive advantage? Those questions come at me all the time. And I thought for that reason, we'd bring expert Z Jeremick onto the show with us. Z, how are you, man? Hey, Joel. Pleasure to be here. Hey, so this is uh, this is apparently something that's gnawing at a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of uh, medium-sized companies that want to be a little bigger. Maybe they don't want to be fully giant because that comes with a whole different set of responsibilities, but they certainly want to get bigger than where they are. They have to be better this year than they were last year. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. Automation uh, certainly is is a big one. So uh, why don't you give us a sense? What is marketing automation all about? I, um, and I can take this from many different angles, but I'll start by saying that marketing automation is generally misunderstood and underutilized. Uh, in most companies, marketing automation is essentially um, a slightly improved version of their ESP, right? Of their email send platform that they were using for 10 or 20 years before. Um, the real advantage to mark in marketing automation comes from effectively coupling it with their sales automation system and building in uh, process, business process that looks to actually optimize the, what these technologies can enable to drive business results. You can actually grow conversions with these technologies. All right. So just to make sure everybody's on the same page, you, you talked about sales automation. There's marketing automation. Just help us understand what are these things so we're all on the same page? What's sales automation? Totally fair. So simply put, um, sales automation is, is the next generation of CRM. And Salesforce.com dominates the space today because they understood this from the start. Salesforce.com didn't just build a CRM. They built a CRM with a powerful sales automation platform. Uh, attached to it. So if you look at a CRM, you know, really that's the system, right? Where all the salespeople are supposed to enter their activities and the contacts and the opportunities they work with. The automation comes from the automated workflows that you can build into the platform to actually streamline how a lead or an opportunity moves between stages and between stakeholders in, in your team. So instead of relying on an individual to be moving them, moving them forward, you can actually couple the auto, uh, the technology with the sales reps to actually move it much faster and much more effectively. Now, I, I would imagine, more than imagine, I know this to be true, uh, there are some pretty good-sized companies that are knocking down quite a few dollars that are not using these kinds of systems. They may be using Excel. Uh, they may be using pieces of paper. I mean, they're kind of using a lot of old-fashioned uh, approaches, uh, maybe because the management and the leadership is is older and they don't really appreciate it. So if somebody wanted to move in this direction, what's the first step that they need to think about? We're going to come back to the marketing automation part. But if somebody isn't there at all, what's the first step that they need to think about in order to move in this direction? 
I mean, it's fairly straightforward, depending on your size. Um, most of these, again, the reason these systems have proliferated so much over the last 10 years is because of the SaaS technology makes adoption. Well, adoption makes the usage very uh, quick. So you can actually just, you can literally sign up for most of these systems. And even marketing automation platforms have actually been enriched with some sales, CRM and sales automation features. So HubSpot, for example, is uh, kind of an all-in-one solution at this point. So if you're more to kind of on the smaller side of that, kind of that mid-sized range you mentioned around 20 or 30 million, you can probably just use uh, one of these all-in-one systems that integrates marketing and sales automation from the start. Uh, otherwise, I mean, a Salesforce is the behemoth. Most companies are using it. What's interesting is that it's not that the companies are not using it, it's that they're not using it for its full potential because they just signed up and, you know, they're, it's just there, but they're not using the method. The, they don't have the methodologies to actually leverage the technology appropriately. So, so part of what you're saying, uh, what I'm hearing you say is that the system, uh, you know, requires that there are offline processes and procedures in order to make the system work even better, right? Yeah. That there's not everything is happening online. Some of it has to do with uh, the procedures that you put in place for the company at large. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. In in my view, that goes without saying. Ultimately, technology is only effective as how you well you integrate it, right? So, if I gave uh, a spearman a rifle, he would throw the rifle. That's what he's used to do, <laughs> right? So, the process of how you utilize technology actually makes the biggest difference around how effective that technology is. And I would argue it's the same. It's the same is true today with these modern marketing and sales automation systems. Is that believe it or not, companies actually most companies are have bought these systems and are using them, but they're using them completely inefficiently, and they're questioning the value for all the right reasons. Again, companies are ditching their ESP platforms; they're buying marketing automation, but they're using the exact same thing in marketing automation that they used to use the ESPs for. They're just sending emails. You could have just sent emails with your ESP platform, which costs like one fifth of what marketing automation costs. So it's it's not the question of adoption. It's a I guess it's not a question of not using them. It's the question of our true adoption to drive results. Hey, let me let me ask let me ask a question for companies that are thinking about uh, you know doing this sort of thing. Maybe they haven't done it before. And uh, I'm I'm a fan of this material, by the way. Just to be clear, um, how do companies measure their break even? I mean, can you actually say that I made an extra sale because of this? I mean, how how do companies look at that sort of thing? I I, I love that. You know, I love that. It's 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 a great question. See, and I think that in general, in most companies, there isn't a very good way to measure the impact of these technologies, um, and and yet. What they can help you do, let's just because we started a conversation on marketing automation, you can actually use these technologies to transform marketing department from a, a cost center into a profit center. Because the reality in most organizations, marketing is the single biggest discretionary expense in almost any company. And the reason it's discretionary because no one can connect you know, which uh, which investment is actually generating not leads, but opportunities and, and revenue, which which invest marketing investments are generating pipeline. And because you don't know that marketing it has a discretionary 
expense. Everybody knows you got to do it. It's that old joke, right? It's like, you know, 50% of the marketing expenses, marketing investments are, you know, are you are working. I just don't know which 50. So, but you can absolutely use these technologies when leveraged appropriately, you can use them to act for, to create attribution and to actually connect how, let's say the $100,000 or the $500,000 you spent on the trade show, not just how many leads you generate, because most of those leads are crap, because it's just people stopping by the booth to get tchotchkes. It's how many of those actually became opportunities, because now you're talking pipeline, which is, which is quantifiable. And now we can actually start looking at ROI. You know, one of the things that I would, that I would uh, say, uh, number one, as somebody who's gone to a lot of trade shows, uh, I would say 90% or more of all the people that I meet at trade shows never follow up with the leads. That's number one. They never follow up. And one of the things I think these sales automation systems do is they put ticklers on people's desks and say, call Joel, call Z. It's today's the day, you know, and now if, if you don't do what the computer says to do, then, you know, you don't make the sale. But uh, it just seems to me that it, it to me, a lot of this has to do with it prevents leads from falling through the cracks and disappearing. I love it, Joel. That's it. That's it. I used to talk about no lead left behind. And it's that's the right way to think about it because it's not just it's on you. Because see, the thing is, and again, most companies do assume, well, it's on the rep and the rep's got a quota. So if he doesn't follow up too bad, the reality is that when someone's ready to buy, you need to follow up with them. And it, the company can actually ensure that and somebody's following up with them. And that's kind of what these systems can actually help you do. So you can set up automated workflows. You know, you assign the lead to Joe. And if Joe doesn't follow up within four hours, it goes to Mo. And if Mo doesn't follow up another four hours, it goes to the, their manager who can then either follow up directly or assign to somebody else and make sure they follow up. So the whole idea is this is, especially when you're looking at the sales side of the equation, the way you grow conversions is by it's op it's operational follow-up that's really i mean the most you can do there someone is either ready to buy or not you're either a good sales rep or you're not but what everyone can do whether you're 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 good or not as a sales rep you got to show up so return the call i love what you said that's exactly what the reality is that most folks never receive any kind of a follow-up after a trade show and there and and again there's a number of reasons that happens but in a company, you can actually maximize the follow-up with the most appropriate people using the methodologies within these systems uh, and configuring the systems to actually prompt the follow-up with the, with the right people at the right time after, for example, a trade show or a webinar or some kind of a piece of content that you've marketed. So, all right, so we're talking about sales automation. What's the difference between sales automation and marketing automation? What, you know, just give us a sense about how 100%. these things work together. And I think that the way it's evolving, these systems are most effective when they're actually merged. But if you if you look at it, marketing automation, essentially is a, is a new generation of systems that have, that's developed over the last fifteen years and has rapidly evolved. Uh, that essentially as uh, is, I would say it's the par and parcel for uh, a, a demand generation, uh, like a modern demand generation team within a marketing department. So what it did is unified um, uh, an old school marketing database with an email engine, with uh, an automation engine workflow, as well as integrations with other systems. So essentially you have this fairly dynamic uh, system that has all your contacts 
can actually trigger off emails as well as trigger events in other systems that can then and it can actually track folks as they visit your website to identify who's engaged, who's interested, who might be ready for sales interaction, and it can then create a lead for sales to follow up. Now we get it, and this is where the integration comes in. The sales automation system is really the next generation of your CRM system. And it's a system that your sales reps use to track the progress of their leads and opportunities through the funnel and to follow up with them and close the deal. And that, you know, listen, and to me, that's um, that, that's a that's a critical component is that uh, there's some kind of uh, system. Now, who builds these systems? I mean, are these pre-configured? I mean, do you have to hire third party uh, vendors? Because. You know, every time a new company comes online, there's a whole cottage industry of people that pop up to uh, to to do this sort of thing. So, so who actually, uh, you know, is the system so good that you know we follow the lead of the system, or do we have to have this like fantastic consultant in order to use the system that we just put a bunch of dough into? That's that's right. You nailed it. That's the name of the game. I mean, the thing is, if you if you want to really if you want to play at that level, you got to invest in the knowledge to leverage the system. Uh, effectively. And the knowledge can come from a consultant, the knowledge can come from internal resource that you hire, but you need to have the skill sets to actually leverage these systems. So getting the system has actually been streamlined over the last 10 or 15 years with the advent of SaaS. Any, any business leader, any line of business can actually now buy these systems independently of IT because you don't need IT to configure and deploy and deploy them within locally in your own systems you basically sign up you get a login you move in your team and they start using it and a lot of these systems do have default configurations or very minimal deployment that happens uh but to really get your the bang for the buck you got to optimize them you got to actually shape them around your system this is why most of them are actually highly configurable so you can configure them for your business so let's let's talk about the uh, the major touch points. I mean, forget about you know the specifics that every company has their own rhythm or whatever. But what are you know what are the main touch points? How do people get into these systems? And then you know kind of what's the uh, what's the what are the campaigns the drip sequences look like that you're trying to reach out to people with? What are some of the big pieces people need to be thinking about? I, I love it. You know, I, I this is a great question, Joel. So I I think that. There's there's some major changes that have happened or, uh, in in how people buy over the last ten or twenty years, and most of us have seen them. The reality is that you know, like uh, the buyer is empowered, and the buyer no longer needs to needs to talk to the sales rep, right? So, I mean, we work with a series of car uh, a company that provides systems for car dealerships, and they told us seven years ago they said. People used to walk into three car dealerships before buying a car, and seven years ago they used to they they were walking to zero point nine. Today, right? So there were cars being sold without ever someone walking into the ocean. Today, you can buy a car on your app. So the reality is that the way people buy is changing and you don't need to talk to a sales rep anymore. This is where, why it's so important for companies to think about how you actually run effective campaigns that look to connect with the buyers as they're in their discovery cycle. So this is where marketing automation can actually become very effective because what you can use marketing automation for to, is to orchestrate complex campaigns that that actually uh, work on uh, across multiple channels and yet ideally look to funnel folks into a single point so you can have specific let's say landing pages with some valuable content you can have multiple channels that are promoting 
that content. Once someone visits it, you can tag them. Now you can remarket to them again through a variety of channels at a much lower cost. The idea is that it's it's that old marketing saying, basically, you got to hit someone seven to 10 times before they'll pay attention. So, you know, so let, let's say, for example, right. you, uh, you, you get a lead, you put it in your system. Does it go into the marketing system or the sales system? How do you know when it's time for selling or how do you know when it's time to keep marketing? Yep, absolutely. So I think when when someone interacts you with the first time, the the ideally will go into your marketing system. Your marketing system can again use a variety of 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 um clues essentially that's collected to identify whether they're ready to talk to sales because what happens otherwise is that in today's day and age, what do you do? What do you do when a sales rep calls you? Say, I want you to send me some information. I'm still doing research. I don't want a sales rep to talk to me. The reality is, I you know, I I can I have options. I can go, I can go, I can go to Google. I can go to Chat GPT. I can go to social, you know, and just talk. I can go to my communities and I can actually ask my peers what are they looking for and what are, what's relevant to them before I actually engage with a sales rep who's going to try to steer my thinking towards their own product and their own company. So the idea is that you have your, your marketing system evaluate how many pages did they visit, how what campaigns have they interacted, what's their profile. I mean, you can integrate entire databases into your marketing system now and, and immediately evaluate the profile of the company and the individual at the company to, to see, is this the right profile for your buyer? And if it is, and they're highly engaged, send them to sales if someone called them. If it isn't the right profile, I don't know, it's, a, it's an analyst. It's a janitor that's just looking at your site. Well, then, yeah, you keep them in the marketing system and you send them some more content. You know, you, you said a minute ago that the system recognizes certain uh, hints or cues or tells or, you know, I, I love hints, cues, tells, uh, because those are predictive of future behavior. And I think the more sensitive people become to those kinds of things, uh, the closer they get to becoming an advantage player. I mean, somebody who really can look at the future has great situational awareness, great environmental awareness, and 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 so forth. What are some of the hints, cues, and tells and behaviors that systems look for that tell you that someone is getting ready to buy and they're maybe ready to leave the marketing system and go into the selling side? Um, I, I think there's a few, certainly, and, and, you know, most people ask, well, why can't the system just figure this out on their own? It's certainly on its way. Technology is not quite there yet. So there is a little bit of configuration that goes into the system. But here, here's some of the, some of the general cues you want to look at. Again, you want to look at does the profile of the company that this buyer is with match the profile of the, so if you're, if your company generally sells to construction companies and this lead is coming from, you know, the pharma, then they may not be the right lead for you to talk to. So that so you can look at the demographics of the company, size, industry, um, uh, even location to determine whether. It's, so that's certainly one thing you want to look at. You also want to look at the the engagement, right? Like, did they look at your site? I'll, I'll give you a great example. Most people, when they come to a site, the website, the first time, they go to the homepage, they go to the about us page, and sometimes they go to the products page. That's it. They're out of there. Because essentially what those three pages tell you, they tell you everything you need to know at the first glance. Now, if when you come back, you're going to go through, through more detail around the products page. You're going to start looking at the blog. You're going to start looking at the services around how do you implement this product. 
And that's when they're likely further down the funnel and more engaged and more interested in buying. So these are some examples of the signals you want to look at. You know, um, seems to me like, uh, you know, you're talking about if the, if you normally sell construction and this is pharma, uh, if somebody kind of entered themselves onto your list, uh, it would be presumptuous to assume that just because they're farmer doesn't mean that they're not qualified. Maybe the guy's changing jobs. Maybe, you know, I mean, I mean, there could be a lot of reasons why, you know, and a certain, and that's why the computer can't tell because there's a lot of going on behind the scenes. The computer might not know. And, and I would, I would counsel my salespeople uh, not to dismiss somebody uh, on those grounds. That, that would just be me. And, you know, and uh, not to be argumentative, but I, I think that there oh. are reasons uh, that people do what they do, and we don't always know what those reasons are. And I, I think you at least need to have an exploratory conversation, if, if for nothing else, to update your records. Uh, yeah, 100%. I could not agree more with you. Again, I think generally the idea is what, who do you prioritize? It's not who you should call it. Who should you call first? So if it's end of day and you got three leads, what's the things that you look for? What's the one that you're going to call today? And which other two are you going to call tomorrow? So I think that's primarily what we're talking about. How do you prioritize the, the one that's going to be most likely and most ready to buy? Yeah, that, that's that's a little that's a little different story. That's that's true. Um, does the computer tend to do that for you, the system, or do you have to do that yourself typically? Again, the beautiful thing is you can you can actually configure the figure configure these systems to automatically do that um, based on the criteria that you've set, and you can review the effectiveness of that criteria and then update them over time. Um, you know, you know, for me, one of the things that's very important to me. Uh, you can't always tell there aren't always cues hints tells signs there's those things don't always exist um i like to uh use a concept that i've kind of thought about i i, I gave it my own name i call it raise your hand that i like to sell the people who raise their hand and there's a lot of ways people can raise their hand like for example you know I, the way i look at it uh, if we're playing volleyball and i hit the ball to you if you let the ball land in the sand and you walk away then the game's over and that's why I look at selling too, by the way, you know, is that I'm going to, you know, give you something to do. And if you don't do it, then it's, you know, that might be enter your name in a database that might be uh send me a, a fax it might uh, an email or whatever, or it might be put an appointment on my calendar. So, you know, when somebody puts an appointment on my calendar, I know that they're serious, you know, and that's, that's uh, so I, what, what are some of the other raise your hand activities that you've seen are, do other companies do that? I mean, I mean, I can't be alone in this, but but you know, what have you seen? No, I'm, obviously, uh, a hand raise is always the most uh, the the best uh, expression of intent. Um, a lot. I, I feel like a lot of the uh, and and again, when you look at when you have a hand raiser, then it comes down to this is where again sales automation can help because with a hand raiser, you want to follow up with that hand raiser as quickly as possible. So you want to route to the person on your team that's best suited to follow up and that's going to be able to follow up as quickly as possible. Now, where what usually we want to look at is who hasn't raised their hand yet, but has shown intent to raise their hand in the future. Because if you can call them, and we've actually ran work with some fairly large companies to run campaigns of this type, and they can be so, so effective at getting ahead of the sale, essentially. You know, getting to someone before they raise their hand with their competitor, with your competitors as well. So they're on your cell. I'll give you an example. Someone's someone came to your site t 10 days ago, looked at a few pages, 
their profile generally, and they haven't, they haven't given you any information, for example, they've, their profile, you know, generally, um, you can actually get their profile info as well. And so what happens, but they come back to your site, let's say through two, two days ago, they came back to your site and they actually spent two times as long as the first time they came in. You can prioritize that person for, for, for your team to be able to call uh, proactively before they even um, before they even raise their hand. And so that becomes much more of an expression of intent. They're looking at you. They haven't made the, they haven't raised their hand explicitly, but they're implicitly raising their hand. And they, that's a, I think that's a fantastic way to get ahead of your competition. Give them a call and see if you can help them with something. Well, that, you know, that whole thing, that, that's one of those hints, signs, cues, tells, markers that you can kind of count on. If they come back to your site, uh, you pretty much know that you're you're on their mind. They're thinking about you, that they're doing whatever. That doesn't mean they've decided yes or no, but certainly it merits a call. I want to talk about intent-based marketing because you brought it up. Uh, I just heard you say something about intent. Um, how many of these intent-based tools do you tend to uh, to subscribe to? I mean, that you like. I mean, do you do you like some of these tools? I mean, which ones do you like, and, and how are companies using those? And, and first, yeah. why don't you start by telling us what those are, just in case everybody's not on the same page? Hundred percent. I mean, I think I think it's 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 kind of like in a, a a well known secret, right? That everything we do on the on, uh, online is tracked, right? And and essentially, there's there there are companies who, who have actually aggregated that data, um, and are actually providing it as intent data. So essentially, what and probably the best known one is called Bombora. Uh, and there's a number of other companies that are providing similar services. Sometimes they're actually white labeling Bombora as database and uh, uh, it's through other companies. But the general idea of it is that if you're, if, if you're researching, let's say you're visiting certain types of pages, certain types of websites, that might indicate that you're in the buying cycle. And that could be of interest to companies that are selling that type of a product, that type of a service. And so you could actually look to incorporate these types of intent signals in your marketing so you can actually target your marketing towards people who are in the market to be buying these types of products in general, even if they've never visited your website. Yeah, you know, what What, what, what listeners have to really catch on to is that when you're a fisherman, you need to fish where the fish are. And these intent-based marketing tools are like sonar that, that notice schools of fish. And you may not know where the fish are, but the sonar knows where the fish are. And if you're not using the tools, uh, your competitor is probably using the tools and you're now at a disadvantage. And, and one of the things we always say as advantage players is that you're either playing with an advantage or a disadvantage. Pick one. And, you know, and you're, you know, if you're not playing with the advantage, then, you know, shame on you because you need to be. So, um, what are some of the other great uh, great tools you've seen companies use? I mean, and I, I imagine some of these things plug into the marketing automation that if you're finding people that are, you know, getting ready, they're exhibiting buying signals, uh, you know, the systems then must scoop those people up and put them into the system and you put them in a drip or some kind of a campaign. How how, how does the mechanics of that work? Yeah, no, there's there's been an explosion of technology over the last 10 years. I mean, if it's funny, you can look up Scott Brinker's MarTech landscape and it, how it's evolved. So 10 years ago, there were 100, 100 pieces of technology to serve marketers. 
and that has multiplied to 10,000 over the last 10 years. So it's been an, an astounding rate of growth. So are there other tools? Absolutely. There's there's anything that you want to do. You, there is actually a tool to do it. And yeah, most of them do integrate. Um, I, honestly, I'm, 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 if you, my strong view is that to really get where companies get into trouble is that when they get carried away with, I just need a tool to do this and I need a tool to do that. Next thing you know, you have a stack of 15 tools that you're using individually to perform a specific action without properly integrating them into your process. Um, I, 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 I'm a strong believer and I've seen this play out that you can actually get outstanding return if you keep it simple and focus on the basics, focus on the process, focusing on the one or two systems that are at the core, optimize those. And then once you have a good handle, once you have that optimized, now you're looking to build additional, bring additional pieces of technology to improve the return on any specific campaign or activity that you're already doing. So how do companies, uh, you know, kind of be careful about this shiny object syndrome. You know, you're talking about the opposite. You know, you're, you're talking about first, you know, gathering all the tools, which is the shiny objects, picking a couple of them that work. How do you decide which ones work? How do you know, you know, which are the ones that you need to really be focused on? You look for the core. You look for the core. The, and it's very, very simple. Uh, this is really not that complex. You look at what systems do you need in the core? What systems comprise of 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 the, the the core funnel systems and really it's very simple you need a cms system almost every company every company has a website has a cms system and you usually you use so you have your content management system which is your website you usually use something like google analytics or adobe uh adobe analytics to met to see broad patterns of how people engaged and then you have a marketing automation system. Marketing automation system is integrated with your CMS system. Anyone that's anyone that interacts with your CMS or your website in any way is actually tracked by your marketing automation database. Marketing you orchestrate campaigns out of your marketing automation system, and marketing automation is integrated with sales automation system, which is your CRM system, which is what your sales team uses. That that's it. That's your core three systems that you need to operate effectively your your funnel. You don't need no. anything else. Yeah. I mean, listen, these are, uh, you know, it's sort of easier said than done, but I will tell you that this is, uh, this is a fascinating discussion. It, it affects me uh, greatly. I, I think about these things all the time. And, uh, you know, if, if I was to ask you for one killer strategy, which we call an advantage play, what's the one killer advantage play that, you know, you think companies need to be doing, or you've seen great companies do to wrap all this up and kind of bring all this to uh, to a to a head here, um, you can grow revenue by increasing conversions through your funnel. It's as simple as that. Most people, when they look at most companies, when they look at growing, they're like, "I got to pay for more ads, I got to get more reps, or I got to find a new partner." You can actually grow your convert existing traffic, existing prospects convert them at a higher rate to grow your revenue. You know what I'm hearing you say is that you're squeezing more juice out of the lemon is that you're it. being more efficient that 80% of the deals uh, fall through the cracks. People don't convert them because they forget about them or something goes wrong. And all of a sudden, because you're focusing on cues, hints, tells, signs, whatever the things are that you're able to squeeze more juice and that uh, makes companies better. Sound right? 100%. You nailed it. You nailed it. And you know, it's not 80. 
if you look at most mid-size to larger B2B companies, the conversion from top to bottom of the funnel is about two to four percent. There is so much opportunity to 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 think about if you could if you could increase that, let's say from two percent to four percent or to three percent. That's a massive increase in your in your top line revenue well, that you're getting I, I can, from a slight adjustment. From, I can tell you from my own experience that the conversion, the improvement is higher than uh, than one point from three to four. It's higher than that because so much falls through the cracks. There's so little accountability in the sales cycle uh, because nobody's paying attention to the leads. And if you had a system that was paying attention to the leads, it would make an enormous difference. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, this is uh, certainly the inside track on how this automation can improve companies and improve sales, closing, velocity, all the things that uh, that we've talked about. Uh, and when somebody comes on our show and they bring to the table uh, the inside track, the best, smartest, fastest way to get something done, uh, we call those people advantage players. And that makes you an advantage player. And I certainly appreciate you uh, sharing with us and telling us what we need to know. So, uh, Z, your contact information will all be in the show notes. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, they certainly can. And listen, man, I, I just appreciate you being with us. And uh, thank you for being a friend of the show. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Your Advantage Play with your host, Joel Block. To learn more about how to work with Joel and cultivate your own high-limit advantage plays, visit theadvantageplayer.com. Subscribe to your Advantage Play wherever you get your podcasts.